Greetings, everyone. It is now time for Marked Safe, tales of your very favorite and most beloved man-made disasters. On Marked Safe, we discuss events and details that some may find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. Please listen responsibly. And now, here with your hosts, Brianne and Melanie, this is Marked Safe. Amazon. 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 Hot damn. Can you believe it? No. We're getting obnoxious having some kind of new, oh my god, that just happened to talk about every week. Yeah. Thanks for uh, still hanging out with us. (laughs) We'll stop soon, probably. Yeah. I mean, but things are happening. Things are happening. Amazon featured us this month um, in their scary good stories section. And that feels like a big deal. It is a big deal. Yeah, it probably is. Probably a problematic big deal. Listen, I was gonna, I was not gonna go there because, like, the third time we said Amazon, I was like, "Oh, Amazon." <laughs> but then I was like, "You know what? Don't bite the hand that feeds you. Maybe you should shut up." But if you're going to, I will, I will go down with you. I, I, I dig it. I dig okay. it. Fuck it. Fuck it. I mean, it's just in time too, because there goes our Amazon endorsement. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. Oh, I just really want to ride in a rocket ship um, to <laughs> <What> space. <Jesus>? <laughs> like I will provide you entertainment and we'll tell you yeah, all the I'm ways sure people, we can die. Yeah. And that's what people want to hear on a on a rocket. <laughs> <laughs> people are always like, what do you think if I, is it bad luck if I listen to the podcast on an airplane or a train or as I'm, you know, trying to climb out of an elevator between floors and like, Maybe. No. Maybe not. No, I don't know. No. But not on a rocket. No. Not on a rocket. Listen, the answer is no. Because when someone is, okay, like Adelaide, when she has her perform- her theater performances, mm-hmm. you tell her break a leg, right? That's what she tells. That's different. No, it's not. No, that's totally different. So, I mean, you go on and you're just like, crash. <laughs> Who's going to do the Challenger eventually? I would love to do the Challenger. Just because. Are we going to rock, paper, scissors for it? I, You know what? I would totally do some old school rock, paper, scissors for the Challenger. Yeah. Okay. We would have to have um, an impartial person on either side to declare what we have just done. I guess we could just do it in a fucking video. Or we could do a two-part. I'm, I'm really reinventing the wheel here. Okay, well, when you get a ride on a spaceship with Jeff Bezos, that is when we will cover the Challenger, <laughs> officially. <laughs> just in time. William Shatner just went to space. That's, he's really? like the oldest person that's been to space. How cool is that? God, that's random. How did I not hear anything about that? It was a big deal. He's like 90 years old. Isn't that crazy? That doesn't seem like a good idea. But I mean, I guess at some point something's got to kill you. Oh, just watching him talk about it made me emotional. I want to go to space so bad. Well, is he back yet? Oh, he's back. It was like a, you know, blink and you miss it type deal. Yeah, I I blinked. (laughs) (laughs) And I missed it. (laughs) 
No, it wasn't that funny. <laughs> I loved it. I appreciated it. You really it was did. on point. <laughs> That's a great quality to podcast host who laughs at your jokes more than they warrant. <laughs> I thought it was funny. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, you ready to get into this bracket? Is this our final head-to-head? This is our final. Can Last you- two. This crowns the winner. Yes. And then next week will be Midwest. And I already have uh, the first prize on order for that. Jesus Christ. It's so good. It's custom. You're professional. I am. Sometimes. Sometimes. You are. All right. So, you ready? Yeah. I've been waiting for this. Florida woman. Do you know what it is? It's alligator pants, isn't it? It is alligator pants. Okay. Versus. But I don't remember who she's against. Army of Turtles. That's alligator pants. I knew it was going to (laughs) be. Army of Turtles was good, but the alligator pants thing just speaks to me on a different level. (sighs) Which is concerning now that I think about it, but. (laughs) Like what level and why? I really, but uh, really love yeah. this bracket a lot. It was you, alligator pants. It was always you. Yeah. So we'll go through and we'll find out who won this bad boy. Yeah. Uh, and then I'll make my kid announce it again. Yeah. And we have uh, awesome basket. Do I get to say all the stuff in the basket? Yeah. You know, or should I save it that's next your time? Opinion. I don't. I mean, I. Let's find the winner. It's your baby. Let's. Find, it's your baby. Okay. We'll figure it out. Get all the stuff packed up. We'll announce the winner and prizes next week. But we will yes. also begin the new bracket, Midwest Foods. So if you yes. haven't filled that out, you better like head on over. There's a pin thread. Um, yeah, last call. Last call. Like last call. Once that episode drops, that's it. Yep. And there's a um, plot twisteroo to this one that i we're not going to talk about till next week (laughs) (laughs) so what are we on are we on three spooky episode number three for this yes yes and i will be extending it slightly into november because of your mental health schmental i know (laughs) you can't take my spooky time away from me. Absolutely so not. Well, spooky month will be extended one month this year, or one month, <laughs> one week this it. year. <laughs> we we're really gonna give it to Amazon's feature of us. It'll be Christmas time, and there'll still be a spooky section with us in it. Yeah, I mean, Amazon may have listened to our episode and <laughs> removed us by then, but. <laughs> What if next year we can get them to feature us for Halloween and they don't really listen to the episodes that much and they end up putting this episode, which is explicitly talking shit about Amazon? It would be quite hilarious. Mm-hmm. Goals. Yeah. That's that's the kind of chaotic good I strive for. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So you ready to tell me a story? I'm ready. Um, this is... Tags, brought to you by tag. Brought to you by tag. <laughs> right off the top, this episode contains pretty much every possible trigger warning out there. Are there fucking dead kids in this too? You've been pretty good about that lately. I have. Maybe I've well, been bad about it. I promised you that I would wait till December. Oh, 
Great. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry fucking Christmas. Was this going to be a Santa Claus massacre no. of children that you're going to cover? Large scales. I promise you. What was it like a three month holding on that? I mean, I don't I don't think I actually requested that long, but I mean, I'm not going to argue about it. I'm pretty sure it was three months. All right. It certainly can be. Um, yeah. So tons of trigger warnings. Well, it's spooky season, and this is, I mean, this is one of America's most haunted houses, or not houses, haunted places. It's not a house. Well, for some people, it was a house. I hope that doesn't turn out for you like mine did last week. (laughs) (sighs) Most of the things I'm going to talk about tonight are actually true. Most? Some of them are lies? Well, some of them are- Oh, are we going to play two truths and a lie? (laughs) Well, some of them are ghosts, and, you know, there are skeptics out there, so- I don't feel like there are skeptics in our listenership. (laughs) I just don't feel like that's the demographic. I don't know. I was a little bit of a skeptic doing this because this was this was local to me from where I grew up. So, but yeah. So, Brianne, sorry, you're gonna have to get to work on all those content warnings. But you're so good at it, right? (laughs) Oh yeah, I'm. I'm working on my next episode already, which is an absolute first for me in terms of organization. I'm very proud of myself. I'm sure I'll still finish it three minutes before we record. But yeah, the the content warnings on my next one. Phew. Wow. Yeah. Like, fuck. I mean, what happens if there's too many? Like, can we make a freaking website and link to it in the show notes or something? Because I don't even know that's, how this is going to work. That's kind of how I feel about this episode. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. All right. Let's jump in. I hope you have like three links so we can save space. <laughs> We'll do like a link tree, but just for the content warnings. (laughs) Oh, God. Okay. All right. Major Thomas H. Hayes had a lot of daughters. He had two with his first wife, who sadly passed away, and then six more when he remarried. And I'm willing to bet Thomas heard these popular questions. Are you going to try for a boy? Or you must be so sad to only have girls. What year was this? 1883. Okay, so I guarantee he thought this was his wife's fault. Oh, I'm sure. It was 1,000% his. Not that girls are a curse, but you know. In 1883, Thomas purchased a sprawling piece of property in Kentucky where the family of 10 would make their new home. The land was stunning and peaceful, but it had one big problem. Because of the sheer size of the property, the Hayes found themselves really far away from any of the conveniences of city living. And Thomas, who wasn't about to raise a bunch of dumb girls, needed a school for his daughters. So he made one. Using a one-room frame building at the foot of the hill, he enlisted a Miss Lizzie Lee Harris to teach his girls. She had just moved from Nashville, and the new position would provide her with boarding. It was a perfect situation for all involved. Lizzie instantly fell in love with the property, and the little school nestled in the hills was so beautiful, she decided to name it Waverly School after Sir Walter Scott's Waverly novels. Thomas loved Lizzie's name for the school, so he decided to name the whole property Waverly Hill. In the early 1900s, something terrible swept through the country, seemingly hitting Jefferson County, Kentucky the hardest. Folks were dropping like flies. No one knew what to do or even how to stop it. Quote, a sufferer from tuberculosis was advised to go out to the country and rough it a while. 
Nine times out of ten, the consequence of roughing it was that a rough pine box conveyed the patient back home. Tuberculosis is a disease where bacteria will usually attack the lungs, but it can attack any part of the body, such as the kidney, spine, and brain. I think pretty much everyone is familiar with tuberculosis, so I won't bore you with an essay on it. But TB is usually accompanied by chest pain and a pretty gnarly cough, usually with a side of blood. Tuberculosis was killing an average of 500 Jefferson County residents a year. In 1904, a citizens' meeting was called to discuss the problem. Resulting from the meeting, presided by Judge Robert Worth Bingham, the Kentucky Anti-Tuberculosis Association was formed. A group of like-minded folks who all agreed tuberculosis sucked. And in 1906, the association succeeded in getting the state legislator to pass a law requiring the establishment of the Board of Tuberculosis Hospital and requiring the city and county to each levy a tax of up to two cents for the board. They were on their way of creating a hospital specifically for tuberculosis patients. They just needed to find a spacious piece of property to build the damn thing. The treatment for tuberculosis was simple. Patients needed an area where they could rest, stay calm, and have plenty of fresh air. Waverly Hill fit the bill. And it even came with a lovely name already. Construction on Waverly Hill Sanitarium began. It was a two-story frame building with hipped roof and half-timbering architecture. When it opened on July 26, 1910, it was the very first agency to be financed jointly by the city and county governments. So there's a lot of hands in this. It's really interesting. The new hospital could house up to 50 patients, specifically for individuals with early stages of TB. When it opened, quote, the reception room was decorated in flowers and ferns. Refreshments were served and music was furnished by the hospital band composed of the interns. The interns. The interns were also musicians. Wow. They're talented. Jack of all trades. (laughs) But 40 to 50 beds wasn't going to cut it. What about the long haulers? What about the children? Long haulers. Mm -hmm. What about the children? 40 tents served as temporary housing for patients as expansions began. In December 1912, a hospital for advanced cases opened for the treatment of another 40 patients. In 1914, a children's pavilion added another 50 beds. But that children's pavilion wasn't just for the sick. It was also for the children whose parents had found themselves patients in the hospital unable to care for them. Scary thought knowing how contagious tuberculosis is. Yeah, it is a scary thought, but it's also a scary thought that um, we don't have anything for that's really equivalent to that now yeah like even now yeah i remember when i was pregnant with josie and cody was flying and i was like what the fuck do i do with my kids and i asked the hospital i'm like can i bring my kids like is there space for me to have my kids and they were just like no you gotta figure it out so fucked up (laughs) so Staff, they they didn't leave either. Like, they lived on property, which sounds fucking awful living in the place that you work. Especially when it's a fucking tuberculosis ward. Yep. The patient's schedule was strict. At 6.30 a.m., the first whistle blew. Patients washed, dressed, and readied themselves for breakfast. 
After breakfast, the nurse would take temperatures and check vitals. At 10 a.m., a glass of rich certified milk was given because, you know, it does a body good. <laughs> Lunch was served at 1230 and afterwards, nap time. Hold on. Melanie, are you a milk drinker? Uh, this is an important thing to know about your friends. I love milk. Oh, I knew you were going to say that. You're so gross. Whole milk. What the fuck? You want to chew it? Not even this 2% bullshit. I like whole milk. Oh, my God. Oh, sometimes I'll spurge a little and get like the glass milk that you can like get the cream off top, put it in your coffee. I 100% knew what you were going to say before you even said it. So good. It's not. I mean, I would drink it straight from the cow's titties if I could. Oh, the cows would hate that. They would. It's so good. It's really not. I'm sorry. You don't like milk, huh? No, I fucking hate milk. If I have to, I'll drink it a little bit like with a warm cookie or a brownie like once a year, but I take calcium supplements, but it would have to be 1%. So yeah, milk. Lunch was (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to make that the title of this episode. So yeah, milk. Yeah, milk. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Yeah, they drank it, and uh... <laughs> no wonder their lives sucked. <laughs> At least they weren't sucking on cow titties like you want to be. Hey, give a... what? Milk does a body good. Did you not hear no. me? It does. Okay, you know what? We're gonna do an episode about how fucking weird and not even right that campaign was. Got milk? What about that? No, no. And there's a lot to unpack about the got milk campaign. All right, well, let's do it. Okay. 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 Maybe we'll it, put that on Patreon. I well, I think it would be a perfect time to discuss it when we're launching Midwest foods, because you got to drink the, it down with something, yeah. right? Oh fuck no. Oh okay. Move on. I'm gonna puke. So milk, and then <laughs> stop it. I couldn't help myself. If you say so, milk one more time. <laughs> I am leaving. All right. (laughs) Don't you dare. It's so hard. I know. So lunch. (laughs) Would you include it in milk? It was served at 12.30 and afterwards, nap time. Between 1 and 2 p.m., patients were urged to sleep. But even if they weren't tired, they had to stay in bed and remain quiet so they didn't disturb others. Really sounds like kindergarten to me. I mean, I I don't want to be jealous of a tuberculosis ward, but enforce nap time, I mean. Oh, right? Sign me up. 3 p.m.? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. More milk? <laughs> no! <laughs> yeah, it was on the schedule. This is straight from... An old-timey newspaper article. The milk schedule. 3 p.m. Milk. And more temp checks. Dinner was served at 5.30, and patients were allowed to stay afterwards to gossip and play games. (laughs) I like that there's (laughs) gossip time built in. It almost makes up for milk o'clock. But only until 9.15 when the lights were flashed. This gave patients 15 minutes to get to bed, get into bed for the night. Hygiene in the hospital was very important, too, especially in a time where really wasn't that important to most people. Patients were made to care for themselves and teeth brushing was mandatory. To aid in this, there was an on-site dentist and even a barber to keep folks groomed. Wow. 
The hospital grounds uh, didn't only house staff and patients, there were pets too. The superintendent of the hospital, Dr. Dunning S. Wilson, he had a pet monkey. And a nurse, Miss Sarah Brethman, she had a dog. But in early August of 1915, the two pets were faced with something terrible. A stray dog had wandered onto the property and attacked both of them. Patients and staff were in an absolute frenzy as news spread like wildfire about a mad dog on the loose. The pets were rescued and quarantined for evaluations. A security guard was able to kill the assaulting dog, and then they chopped off its head and oh sent God. it to Dr. Vernon Robbins of the city. Oh, is this for rabies testing? Mm-hmm, of the city health yeah, department. That's standard. I like to. That's still standard today. Really? Oh, yeah, I've been involved in that. <laughs> I mean, this is the OG head in the box, right? If they're just... Yeah. I mean, it, it kind of is. I um, I don't know if I've ever talked about this before, that I worked in veterinary medicine for eight years um, before I had a child and started the second part of my life. And my very first day at my very first job was very young. And I walked in and I walked back into the treatment room and saw something i wish i hadn't seen which you know i don't know i guess most people would not be familiar with treatment room layouts but a lot of times they have like um a big long sink and half of it will be covered with a grate and then the other half isn't like a big deep stainless steel sink and they had a german shepherd laid out on the grate part with its head like dangling over the non-grate part and they were sawing it off oh my yep um, but I've been, you know, many times directly involved in it since then. I've had to transport the heads a lot of times. I, I've always had my decapitation thing, so I've tried to stay out of the actual sawing. And my coworkers have usually been very considerate with that. But oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the brain tissue is the only way to do it. I had and, no fucking uh, idea. Yeah. No, that's still that's still very much what's done. Oh, I thought that was some old timey shit to nope it's new time you should do ship a dog head across town Ooh. nope i've been the shipper well dr vernon who is probably horrified but now that i know probably not about <laughs> receiving this head he forwarded the box to a dr tm dorsey assistant county health officer to deter- to determine if the dog did in fact have rabies I couldn't find a follow-up article on that. I don't know if it was just not important. I would like to know. I can't believe, though, that we haven't, like... I didn't actually know we'd been doing it for that long. That that was, like, the standard thing way back then, and it's still the standard thing now. Damn. Like, I feel like there's got to be another way. There has to be. Why can't we drill a hole through the skull or something? (laughs) I mean, I understand that brain tissue is the only way, but, like, surely to God there's another way to get at the brain tissue. And... Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, that's not what's done. So It is what it is. They're going to be listening to this podcast in 50 years and be like, oh, my gosh, how things have changed. No, no, they're not. They're going to be listening to this podcast in a treatment room while they saw a dog's head off. <laughs> Nothing's going to change. I don't believe that it will. <sighs> well, tuberculosis it continued to tear through Kentucky and people were still dying in large numbers. And it really took a lot of money to keep the small hospital afloat. 
On June 18, 1922, a benefit was slated for Waverly Hills at Bowman Field, Kentucky's first commercial airport and still the oldest continually operating commercial airfield in North America. Mm. There's an interesting connection between the hospital and the airport that one might not know. I mean, Bowman Field is pretty popular. If you live in that area, you know what it is. Bowman Field was founded by Abram H. Bowman, who was also the president of the board of the tuberculosis hospital. Oh, okay. So why not let your two worlds collide, right? Sure. An air circus, better known today as an air show, would be the perfect benefit to help with mounting hospital maintenance bills. Wow, who decided to stop calling it that? Uh, right? What a fucking stick in the mud person. Boring. I bring air circus back, please. Yes. 20 pilots from Camp Henry Knox under the direction of Major John H.C. Williams, commander of Knox Air Service, were to wow the crowd with their plane acrobatics. Some tricks to be performed that day included those used in bringing down German airplanes in World War I, a 25-mile relay race over the airfield, a parachute jump, and a stunning V-formation flight of the planes. Tickets were sold to adults for a dollar and children for 50 cents. The turnout was incredible, with over 3,000 people coming to enjoy the show. It's exactly what you want in the middle of a pandemic, too. People butts to nuts and a bit <laughs> hacking all over each other. Oh, I mean, it's a good thing. I am bookmarking that for use in this pandemic. Uh, right? I mean. Butts to nuts. Butts to nuts. We've learned so much, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> We still love to be butts to nuts. <laughs> Even in a pandemic, we've learned nothing from tuberculosis. If you think that's not going to be the title of this episode, you're crazy. (laughs) I like it. (laughs) Among the pilots was 26-year-old Lieutenant Robert E. O'Haley, commanding officer of the 7th Photographic Section of the Air Service at Camp Henry Knox. Robert seemed to be quite the cowboy in the air, too. Quote, there was no feat too difficult for him to attempt. Along with... 45-year-old Staff Sergeant Arthur Opperman, an air photographer, the pair would take off to photograph the events as Robert had promised to give the newspapers pictures of the air circus. The plane was inspected and Arthur took his seat in the cockpit. The propeller was turned and, with Robert piloting, the plane took off. Quote, The plane glided down the field in the face of a strong wind. It rose to the height of 200 feet. Then, the pilot started a steep bank over the line of trees. The plane was at a 60-degree angle, and Arthur could be seen standing in the cockpit, clinging onto his camera. Suddenly, the plane, quote, like a meteor, raced with the wind. It lost altitude and shot straight for a line of parked cars. In a flash, it tilted nose downward and crashed within 70 feet of the cars. Damn. Witnesses said that there was an agonizing streak as the men plunged to the ground. Somehow, Arthur began to walk towards the crowd from the wreckage. But as Mm. soon as they rushed to help, he was engulfed in flames. Oh, no. The heat intensified, pushing the crowds back even further. Quote, both bodies were burned beyond recognition when the gasoline tank exploded following the crash. Mm. Even 20 minutes after the crash, the fire raged on. Families horrified by the accident, started to leave the event. But not everyone. 
Once it was rendered that nothing could be done for the two pilots, the decision was made that the show must go on. Really? Really. Don't. This reminds me of when they hosed off the racetrack after somebody got decapitated and continued. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But don't worry, though. They did not die in vain because politicians love to piggyback a tragedy. Louisville Mayor Huston Quinn declared at an Elks memorial service for the two men that, quote, a bill which would give financial aid to Waverly Hill Sanatorium should be passed by next spring by the state legislator as a tribute to the cause for which the airmen died. The death of these men should be recorded as a great patriotic sacrifice. What? No. (laughs) That's not how this works. What the fuck? I thought it was really gross. I mean, that just doesn't even make sense. No. Am I understanding this correctly? This was a benefit air show. Yes. To make money for a new hospital. To make money for a new hospital. And these men just had an accident and died. And then they were like, well, as a tribute to them, and so we can reframe this as a patriotic sacrifice, we'll do our jobs. Exactly. Oh, get the fuck out of here. It was really... It was gross. Things still were grim at Waverly Hills, too. But could it be responsible for the disappearance of a local mother that same month? Hearing a knock on her door, Mrs. Wilkerson opened it to find her neighbor, a mother, holding her two-month-old daughter. She told Mrs. Wilkerson she had to go to Waverly Hills for work and pleaded with her to board the baby so she could do so. Mrs. What the hell? Yeah. Mrs. Wilkerson agreed, only to never see the mother again. She just disappeared. No. I actually found this and was like, well, what happened? What happened? And I got super invested uh, into it. Uh, so I kind of passed it off to a couple um, investigative, like hobby investigative groups to see if maybe they could do a little bit of oh, that's smart digging. It does appear, according to census records, that the Wilkerson's lived near a few single women lodgers, but no record on if the mother was, like, actually found after she was reported missing to the police. Wow. In Mrs. Wilkerson's obituary years years later, there is a daughter listing as a surviving family member, but it seems, like, almost impossible to suss out if that's, like, her biological child or the one that she took in. You know, in 1922. Wow, that is fascinating. So I wish I could. That was that we were going to record last night, but I was like, can I just have a little more time? (laughs) I was like, oh, maybe, maybe something can come up. That's all I got on that one. (laughs) There was still a push to expand the hospital. The demand was high. With occupational therapy being implemented for the patients at Waverly Hills in 1923, a little bit of money could be made to help the cause. Quote, everyone is gently but firmly induced to do something, if only to wind a ball of rags. Patients would make rug looms, baskets, furniture, dollhouses and toys, knit sweaters and car bookends. Whatever they choose to make, they were to make two. One they could keep for themselves and one to be sold. The profit from the sale would be divided between patient and sanatorium. With tuberculosis still wreaking havoc in the community, though, great care was taken to sterilize the items before being sent out into the general public. 
1924, with enough political push and funds gathered, Waverly Hills would finally get a hospital to truly take care of the tuberculosis problem. It would take two years to build the massive collegiate Gothic-style sanatorium. It was a stunning sight. The hospital was able to accommodate over 400 tuberculosis patients in various stages of their illness, as well as the staff. Every modern convenience was included. Kitchens that served an average of 2,100 meals a day, laundry rooms, x-ray rooms, sun porches, some parlors, individual patient rooms, They had radio headsets at each bed, a chapel, a library, bakery, salon, and they even had a rooftop swing set for the children of Waverly Hills to play on. It also boasted state-of-the-art sterilization equipment and laboratories. It even had a body chute, body slide, or death tunnel, depending on who you're talking to. I think this is like the first thing I said to Tag when he brought this up. Yeah. I've been there. It's, It's creepy as hell. It's, Can you expand on what you mean by you've been there? It it was quite the spot for a while for people to kind of break in and, you know, go see some spooky stuff. Mm-hmm. Maybe, okay. maybe smoke some reefer. <laughs> they? Well, no, I did. <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to get arrested for saying that oh, on this podcast. no. <laughs> I mean, I think that's better than what some of these people did going in and vandalizing and, you know, destroying a. I mean, the building's incredible. It is creepy as fuck. So, though. on the record, you did not vandalize. I did not. I would never. Okay, good. No. I didn't think you would. I did smoke some reefer, though. <laughs> the 525 feet rail car system was originally used to haul coal and supplies from the back of the sanatorium through the basement to the first floor. But as large numbers of patients began to die, its purpose changed to something more unsettling. Staff would use it to transport bodies from the building. Quote, as time tells us, the tunnel was used to process the corpse off the hill in a way that patients would not see the dead taken away in hearses. Directors of the sanatorium decided this was the best way to keep morale up. So they're just like... I mean, they're probably right. Yeah. It is creepy. It's so creepy. And it's real. This is not some made-up thing. They literally use this to haul bodies. Of the scarier but unsubstantiated stories of Waverly Hills is of that of the draining room. To keep tuberculosis from spreading during the transfer of the dead from the sanatorium into the city, a post-mortem operation was done in a small room near the morgue. Dead bodies were hung on hooks. Oh, no. Like those you might see in a meat locker. I saw that one time in the X-Files when I was like 10 and it really freaked me out. I fucking love the X-Files. It's the only episode or snippet or anything I ever saw. I was at somebody else's house, um, which is a whole weird situation into itself. And I was like 10 or 12. And there was an episode where some like skinned human bodies were hung, I think, upside down from meat lockers, mm-hmm. like in uh, meat hooks, like in a big like warehouse mm-hmm. room. And when I tell you that traumatized me, that fucking traumatized it's it's just the mental picture because you can picture it it's easy to picture it 
So yeah, they were they were hung up like that. Um, the body was then sliced open from sternum to groin and drained of their Oof. bodily fluids. Jesus Christ. I don't feel like that probably did what they thought it did. <laughs> I don't know if that's really true, but it could be. You never know. We're chopping off dog heads, too, so anything <laughs> is possible. <laughs> I mean, that works. I just feel like there might be a more elegant way to do it now in 2021, the year of our Lord. Mm-hmm. Great care was taken when designing and building Waverly Hills to make it fire resistant. Waverly was truly ahead of its time. Doctors could finally care for suffering patients adequately. Initial treatments for tuberculosis included fresh air, even if that meant propping patients up outside in the dead of winter. (laughs) Milk. That does work for croup, though. Yeah. Adelaide had croup when she was a baby once, and I remember everyone was like, give her cold air, and it actually was the only thing that did anything. Um, Obviously, some milk, a healthy diet, and some bed rest. Milk. Stop buying that milk. But some of the procedures done on the patients sound like they came straight from a horror movie. One of these was thoracoplasty. Quote, the surgical removal of several rib bones from the chest wall. No. In order. So they could blow themselves? In order to collapse a lung. Oh. In the time that this... Did Marilyn Manson really do that? I don't know. Mm. Okay, you continue and I'll look it up. Yes, you look it up. In the time that this surgery was commonplace, the average patient required the removal of seven to eight ribs. But most surgeons preferred to remove only about two to three at a time, and thus patients had to endure several procedures before the entire uh procedure was actually finished so you just kept going in and taking a rib or two here a rib or two there legend huh no i don't like it also um it's it's unclear uh marilyn manson he's denied it but i don't really feel like he's denied it that convincingly (laughs) (laughs) so he might have legend has it that after the removal of the ribs they were placed within the walls of the sanatorium Oh, no. Why? I don't know. You ever see that like at the dentist's office where they just toss the teeth in between? Have you seen that? No. What the fuck dentist do you go to? No. In between what? Like like in the walls. And then it's just no. like a wall full of teeth. No. Yes. Absolutely not. Yes. How do you Google that? Wall of dentist, teeth and okay. wall. Are you, you're saying this happens currently. Probably not currently, but it did. Oh, yeah. Okay, but you're like, don't you ever go to a dentist and see there that? There you go. 1,000 human teeth were found in a wall of a building. 1,000! How cool is that? Okay, but I don't think that's just a thing. You just make it sound like that's a universal dental experience. You're like, you know, when you go to the dentist and they toss your teeth into the wall? No, <laughs> ma'am, I don't know. Why not? What the fuck? I mean, it is a thing. They're... Okay, I really think it was a thing one time. I think it should still be a thing. What is wrong with you? I mean, stuff in walls is cool, right? Not teeth. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I shouldn't have to say this. Okay. God, okay. You're such a buzzkill sometimes. <laughs> I just want well, a wall. I'm sorry you get your buzz from putting teeth in walls. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you about that. (laughs) If killing that buzz is wrong, I don't want to be right. (laughs) Well, apparently removing ribs 
wasn't a turnoff for future patients. People desperate to be healed from tuberculosis resorted to desperate measures to be admitted into the new Waverly Hills. Do you think they all just wanted to blow themselves? <laughs> I'm I'm asking the important questions here. <laughs> the journalistic ones. <laughs> I mean, why not? I mean, you're just stuck there not doing much of anything else, right? Okay. Don't act like I'm the distasteful one here. <laughs> I am asking what everybody should be thinking. I'm not going to go so far as to say that everyone is, but they should be. Okay. Go on. I, I'm going to stop talking about autofellatio. I'm looking at probably. my ribs. <laughs> Are you going to try something? Just take a turn. <laughs> <laughs> Do you need to take a break? <laughs> I need something. All right. So I feel like as a woman, you'd have to remove several. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So. Yeah, it wasn't a turn off. I guess it was a turn on. Okay. And people desperate to be healed from tuberculosis resorted to desperate measures to be admitted into the new hospital. Since Waverly Hills was funded by both city and county taxes, the hospital was only for the patients in those respective communities. It was, in fact, illegal to accept patients outside of these borders. By 1929, people were full on lying about their residential status simply for a chance at life. And this wasn't a problem limited to the state. Like, people like internationally were lying so they could get into this hospital. Wow. It was around this time that the sanatorium's most notorious ghost made her debut at Waverly Hills. Her name was Mary Jane Hillenberg. Now listen, I have poured through about a hundred years of articles on newspapers.com on top of the normal research I do. <laughs> I could find no concrete evidence of Mary's true story or even her existence at all, but there is an unsourced photo of her floating around, but that's about it. So it's spooky season. It is what it is. I'm going to tell her story. Mm -hmm. It's Lucy Goosey right now. 29-year-old Mary Jane Hillenberg was a head nurse at Waverly Hills. In 1928, Mary, who was single, caught the eye of a handsome doctor, and it would soon turn romantic between the two. Ooh. When Mary found out she was pregnant out of wedlock, <gasps> it was to many the reason why she hung herself in room 502. Oh, no. Others speculated that Mary contracted tuberculosis, working so close to the infected patients, and the thought of her losing her baby as a side effect drove her to suicide. But, According to lore, it was neither of these. You see, the doctor, her lover, was already married. Of course he was. Mm -hmm. To rid any evidence of their illicit affair, he convinced Mary to let him perform an abortion, to which he botched, ultimately causing her death. Oh, no. Then he staged her death to look like a suicide shit wait he botched it all the way to killing her mm -hmm. oh damn that's real botched yep so he just posed her body and made it look like she did it herself wow this wasn't the only nurse 
to die at Waverly Hills. Not long after Mary's death, another nurse leapt from the hospital roof, dying on impact five stories below. Some believe this wasn't suicide either, but something more sinister. Someone or something pushed her. It's not surprising that the ghosts of Waverly Hills are disproportionately female. There are slews of real accounts of horrifying acts on women during Waverly Hills history. One of the saddest I found in my research was a 12-year-old patient who found herself pregnant in the summer of 1949 when 21-year-old Clarence Pleasant, an attendant at Waverly Hills, raped her. Men, as we know it, were especially shitty to their wives in the 1950s. So, I mean, it's ridiculous. It just, I don't know. This makes me mad. I feel like all of these, um, the real villain was a man who caused it Mm -hmm. theories are very plausible. One patient said, quote, my husband will leave me if I stay here much longer. He says I'm not really sick. Just want to get away from him. That's all. <laughs> uh, wh- okay. If you feel like your wife would go to a tuberculosis ward to escape you, do some fucking self-reflection, sir. Why not both? She ha- Go to fucking therapy. She has tuberculosis and she wants to get away from you. Like, he sounds like an absolute <laughs> fucking goblin. Like, oh Yeah. Another woman said, quote, I can't possibly stay here. I have three children at home. They need my care. And listen, not to get on my soapbox, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording. This is still a thing. Like, was that before we started recording? Like, getting sick and, like, still having to care for your fucking kids. I feel like we were recording, but I guess we'll find out. Probably. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe. I feel like we were. Um, You know, it's just like, let the moms be sick. Yeah. That's hard. I think we were recording. Yeah. It is hard, though. This was such a problem at Waverly Hills that they had to bring in a medical social worker to help. In the case of the woman faking her tuberculosis, they simply reminded the husband that his sympathy would quicken his wife's cure. So now we're just tricking dudes into being nice. I mean, that tracks. Seems like the husband of the second wife couldn't fucking be bothered. Her kids were put in foster care. I'm realizing as we go why we don't have very many male listeners. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> all the misandry. Sorry. Not sorry. <laughs> Waverly Hill seems to tick all the boxes on what can make a place haunted. When I was researching this episode, I found something about Waverly Hills that I have never heard before. Like, not on any shows, being local, all the little whispers about it. I've never heard this story. Ever. And I'm not sure how, because I feel like this, if you want to make something haunted, like, at least this story, like, would offer some sort of credibility towards it. You have my attention. John Lewis Griggs just got out of prison. While serving as a soldier at Fort Knox, John was arrested and convicted on October of 1952 for, quote, detaining a woman. He was sentenced to three years at the LaGrange Reformatory, where he ultimately only served 15 months before being paroled. I couldn't find any more on this case either. I tried. I tried. Hmm. When John was released, he found work several months later as an orderly at Waverly Hill Sanitarium. 
That's great. That's perfect. Mm -hmm. Starting January 29, 1954, it wouldn't take long before John found himself at odds with most of his co-workers. <laughs> One of them, 52-year-old Edwin Albert Barris, was disgusted by John's past. And according to John, he wasn't feeling real safe at work anymore. He alleged that one night Edwin was getting seriously boozed up in the orderly's recreation room at the hospital, <laughs> drinking some beers and having some shots. So remember, they live there. Yeah. Edwin allegedly said to John, quote, you came here from the workhouse. You're a damn convict. I'll take a knife and cut your guts out. Oh, my God. Man, they really knew how to make threats back mm -hmm. then. John simply replied, quote, I won't fight you. I'm trying to lead a Christian life. But Edwin was relentless and just kept on and on and on. So John left the recreation room, but a while later decided to return. But oh, Edwin, he just continued cussing and berating John. And then Edwin slapped John across his face with his open hand. Oh, the next series of events uh, is disputed by several eyewitnesses, but here it goes. John said after the altercation, he went to his room in the orderly's quarters and went to sleep. Edwin and 41-year-old hospital telephone operator Peter J. Simon came into his room and started beating him up. Edwin Jesus. threatened John with a knife. John said he grabbed and then tossed Edwin into the hallway, causing Edwin to hit his head on the wall. When Edwin got up, he swung at John, but John hit him in the jaw with his fist. Jesus. Edwin went down and just lay still. Just one punch. That's all it took. Peter and others disputed this. However, Peter said they never left the recreation room. Quote, Griggs hit Barris with his fist and knocked him down. And then he jumped up and down on Bears' face and ribs with his oh. feet. Oh, no. He said John prevented him from calling the police by also grabbing him, too. 57-year-old handyman Joseph Andrew Knott said he witnessed John, quote, kicking and a stomping Bears. He heard oh. John tell Edwin, I'm tired of you running over me. Jesus. Police testified that no knife was ever found or even near Edwin's body. Edwin's autopsy also showed that he died of a brain injury. He suffered multiple fractures of the skull, broken ribs, and a ruptured spleen was pretty much in line with the multiple witness accounts of John's attack, not a toss and a single punch like John would leave you to believe. But the jury was clearly asleep when they were delivering these facts because they acquitted John Griggs of Edwin Ferris's oh murder. It's just a couple orderlies and some murder. Just killing each other. What the fuck? Isn't that crazy? Jesus Christ, yes. <sighs> this is why men are too emotional to have jobs. I know. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> Let's see. So today I've run off Amazon and men. They kind of go hand in hand, right? <laughs> Probably. 
With the introduction of streptomycin, an antibiotic, tuberculosis started to make a decline. But just like today, some people fucking flat out refused treatment. By the late 1950s, of course they did. Mm-hmm, by the late 1950s, Kentucky actually enacted a law fixing penalties up to $500 fine and six months in jail for a TB patient who resisted treatment. Damn, we should try that. We should. Um, This came with its own set of problems, though. Um, In the first six months of 1958, four people in Kentucky were actually arrested um, for refusing treatment of their tuberculosis. But putting them in, putting infected patients in jail with otherwise healthy inmates Oh, Lord. Did not seem to be a solution. By 1961, um, there were finally so few tuberculosis patients left that having a very large hospital for the illness seemed excessive. The final patients were transferred out to Hazelwood Sanitarium and Waverly Hills closed its doors. But just for a year. In 1962, it reopened as Woodhaven Medical Services, a geriatric facility. But it, too, was court-ordered to close by the state in 1981 due to improper patient care, which included, quote, orders from physicians to give potent tranquilizers to patients on an as-needed basis for conditions such as nerves and management problems. I mean, I feel like that's still long-term care facilities today. Mm -hmm. And so had improper use of restraints and... Beds that had been remade with sheets that had feces and urine on them. Oh, no. Yeah. Although, again, I still feel like that's, yeah. uh, no, we're not that far from that. As Waverly Hill sept empty and secluded for years and years afterwards, it quickly became the spot for teens like me to sneak into, hoping to see some ghosts. Besides Mary Jane Hillenberg, there were many others who roamed the halls of Waverly Hills. 11-year-old Timmy, whose parents were hospitalized with tuberculosis, had to live at Waverly Hills despite being a healthy young boy. One day, while playing with his favorite blue rubber ball on the hospital's rooftop playground, tragedy struck. Timmy's ball rolled towards the edge of the building, and the young boy fell over, falling to his death five stories below. What the fuck did they think would happen with a rooftop playground? What... Jesus Christ. If you bring a ball to Waverly Hills today, Timmy might just play with you. Oh, I don't think I will. You might even encounter shadow people if you dare visit Waverly Hills. Shadow people are the visual form of the human spirit, and Waverly Hill has plenty of them. But there is one shadow spirit I will caution you about. The creeper likes to crawl along the floors and along the walls and ceiling. Nope. Nope. If you have a chance to meet the creeper, um, you will no doubt realize that it is him. Yeah, I would think so. His encounter will fill you with a paralyzing feeling of dread and doom. There's no entity in Waverly Hills more evil than the creeper. He sounds like Hatman's cousin. You know what? I kind of got that feeling. Other things you may experience at Waverly Hills are sounds of children laughing, slamming of doors, faces appearing in windows, and the smell of fresh bread coming from the kitchen that hasn't been used in 40 years. 
What? If you would like to experience Waverly Hills today, you may do so lawfully. After exchanging hands several times in a failed attempt to break the record for the world's largest Jesus statue, modeled after Christ the Redeemer in Rio de Janeiro, Tina and Charlie Mattingly purchased the hospital and have been working hard to restore the Gothic building and the grounds. So they just try to make this huge ass Jesus statue on the roof of this hospital, but donations fell through. They didn't. <laughs> I can't imagine why. <laughs> the funding to do this, um, to for the Mattingly's to repair Waverly Hills is provided by their ghost tours, which are open to the public and private overnight stays for those who have the nuts to oh, do no. so. No, my nuts would never be that big. I don't want to sleep with the creeper. No. And that's your Waverly Hills sanatorium episode. That was excellent. Creepy, right? Yes. You're not fucking kidding about the content warnings, but that was excellent. (laughs) Oh, wow. Well, that was a spook show. It was a spook show. I actually had a lot of fun doing that. I can see why. (laughs) What was your experience? Did you break in there once or all the time? I've been there, I want to say, three times. I don't know why. I feel like those are the only two options. <laughs> two or three times. I want to say it was three times. How was your experience? Did you see anything spooky? I didn't see anything spooky. You hear sounds. It smells gross. Um, What's it smell like? Piss. Ugh. It's just moldy. and I, I don't know how it is now. I mean, this is the 90s. When I yeah. went in. I mean, I'm sure it's not any better. I think they've really worked hard on like cleaning it up. I know they turned it into a haunted house for a while. It's cool. It, it is really cool. The building is spectacular. It is beautiful. I need to look up a picture of it. It's it's creepy. It's exactly how I would want my haunted hospitals to look like. <laughs> so. Well. That's terrifying. Do you want some disaster relief? Hell yeah. Who's going first? So I actually sent you a picture of this a couple weeks ago when I was at our local grocery store, Rouse's. It was a bottle of tequila. It's called Skelly (laughs) Tequila. I went back and bought it because the bottle is just so cool. The bottle's awesome. I'm a sucker for novelty shit, but it's like a... Oh, I know. The bottle's a skeleton and the head pops off. I mean, (laughs) I had to have it. But the tequila was actually really good. I don't know about good tequila, but okay. You don't like tequila? No, not at all. (laughs) No. I just, I was super impressed that the tequila was yummy and it was in a novelty container. <laughs> you never Did you say both. the name of it? Skelly tequila. Oh, oh that's the name of it. Yeah, wow. and it's super cute. It's great for Halloween. And now I have this, bo- and it's, it's a, it's not a that's plastic adorable. bottle. It's like a, it's a porcelain bottle. It's really cool. Wow. What are you going to do with it? Right now I have it sitting on the shelf in our guest bedroom. With all my other, with the Rougarou you got us, um, <laughs> and then a lot of the Patreon um, stuff that's come in, like the Wendigo. I like to hoard my stuff around my computer like a, like I'm Smaug. <laughs> What's yours? Um, okay, well, first of all, I want to 
make a change to my commentary last week. Last week, I said that I was enjoying Midnight Mass, but it was not necessarily good, but I was enjoying it. I finished it now. I take that back. It's incredible. Hmm. Yeah, I I fully, uh, yeah, changed that, add all the stars. But as far as this week, I'm very, very unsure about whether I have actually done this before. But I mean, if I have it so good, I would recommend it twice. I don't think I have. I don't know. Um, It is an author. It is Mary Roach. And I feel like there is a tremendous amount of overlap between the people who would like this podcast and the people who would like her books. Um, I think she has some background in journalism, I, I believe. And I, I might actually be making that up. And basically, she does these incredibly deep dives into subjects like she did one called bonk and it was about sex (laughs) and she did one called grunt and it was about um like military if i remember correctly it was kind of about mres and um how sleep is handled and just the interesting stuff about it and she did one about ghosts i want to say may have been called spook she's she's done several and I couldn't recommend any one over the others because they're all absolutely fantastic. That sounds right up my alley. I think you would love it. I love those I think deep you would dives. Yes. And it's funny. Like, it's very lighthearted. But it, I mean, as far as, you know, the, the veracity of the information, it's very serious. Oh, actually, I think that my favorite, I can't remember the name of it. She did one about space. Oh, I'll have to. Okay. Yeah. And like, just the the whole experience i mean it's not like a book about astrophysics or anything like that it's like a book about sleeping in space and eating in space and i mean she really answers the questions that you want answered (laughs) if you're immature and obnoxious but also i mean it's not an immature and obnoxious book it's just it's everything you would want it's it's fantastic every one of them's fantastic i do think the space one's my favorite but i would vigorously recommend any of her books that's awesome Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. Did you have fun at our Halloween party? Yes, I did. Oh, my God. If you guys missed it, I feel sorry for you. You're fucking up. It was so good. I'm very alarmed by the amount of people that do not own fire extinguishers. <laughs> what the? Maybe that should put your Bobby Nash problem into perspective. Oh, my God. Well, Sarah, Sarah, she ordered hers <laughs> online because I was, I was like, what? You listen to a disaster podcast and you don't have a fire extinguisher. And she just, she straight up ordered one right there, right on the Zoom virtual Halloween party. And it came in. I didn't until I became a foster parent. Mm. Well, then you have to. Um, I I still feel like, I don't know. I guess the, the fire scenarios I worry about most there probably wouldn't be a fire extinguisher anywhere near me. Like I, I worry about waking up in the middle of the night to a wall of fire or something. And I mean, it's not by my bed. It's not going to do me any good. And I mean, I feel like if it's a small fire, I could, I mean, I'm not trying to discourage people from getting fire detectors. I feel like I am. I'm actually not. You should definitely get one. And I'm glad I have one. I mean, I feel better having one, but like, I feel like it's more, of a concern for property damage because like if it's a small enough fire that me and my smoke detector can make a difference i could just walk out of the house and if it's not a smoke detector is not going to help me (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. But I mean, like if you, you know, start a little fire in your kitchen, you could definitely use a smoke or I keep saying smoke detector, don't I? You could definitely use a fire extinguisher and put it out. But I just I'm not really convinced that it's going to save anyone's life ever, but maybe it will. I mean, like, okay, so I've got one upstairs in the kids' room, and I've got one under the kitchen sink, because those are, like, the state's requirements. And I mean, sure, like, if I start a grease fire or something, I can put it out, and then I don't, you know, burn my kitchen, which is nice. But if I start a grease fire, I mean, it's not going to kill me. I can just be like, hey, fam, the kitchen's on fire. Let's go outside and call 911. (laughs) But at the same time, you know, if I wake up to a wall of fire in the bedroom, the smoke detector under the sink's not doing shit for me. Right. I don't know. I've used a fire extinguishers a couple times, so. But have you saved a life with it? I'm objectively. Who would know? I mean, I guess yes, I would. Like have. I like what was the context? Um, are we talking about like a kitchen fire or? I had a kitchen fire, yes, and I've also had um my grill catch fire too on a very dry patio. Okay, but do you? I mean, obviously, it's better to put in a fire. No, no. I I am wondering if my feeling is true. <laughs> I would like to hear a story from someone where, and I really would like to hear this because then I'd feel even happier that I have one. I would like to hear a story from someone where their smoke detector, like objectively likely saved a life. I keep saying smoke detector. Oh my God, know that I never mean that. And I believe that smoke detectors are extremely fucking important. But I would like to hear from someone about like a time that their fire extinguisher actually saved a life. Property, sure. And that's, you know, important. But I want to hear it. Let us know. Yeah. I'm like, I'd be happy to hear that. I've just never really heard it. I can't really think of a scenario. I don't know. There's been a couple work situations where we've had to do like um, work situations. You work at a podcast. No, I mean, like a long time ago, like I used to work with Lily way back in the day um, at um, a home for disabled adults. And there was actually a really cool day where um, they came out and we got to learn, like, put out fires and shit like that. That was really fucking Now, that could be a scenario where if there is somebody in the building who couldn't who's not able-bodied for whatever reason or couldn't couldn't readily exit then that would be different because like then if you have a kitchen fire you know it could get out of control before you could get that person out Mm -hmm. or if you have like a lot of people in your house well like if cody falls down and breaks his leg i mean it could be real hard for me to drag him out but if i had a fire extinguisher it might i feel like you could drag him out though i could (laughs) <laughs> I don't know why I made that. It's not like he's even, you know, a big dude or anything like that. <laughs> so funny. I mean, you know, anytime there's an unwanted fire, you know, the faster you can put it out, the better. But I, I mean, I feel like things like smoke detectors are way higher on the actually going to save a life list. <laughs> well, not that we really need to be prioritizing no smokes fire safety Sarah, equipment love your fire extinguisher don't <laughs> listen to brand's bullshit oh i'm happy you got it sarah so but yeah we had a good time at our halloween party i got to dress like count dante my dreams pets huh pets that's an important reason pets yes and i mean unless you have like one really obedient dog or something 
Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I've answered my own question, but I'm happy to hear more <laughs> testimonials about fire extinguishers. Okay. Carry on. The party was lit. The party was lit. Everyone dressed up. There are some prizes. Hey, Bethany, you still haven't gotten back to me with your email address. I would like to give you this gift card before I spend it. Catherine has gotten back to me, but unfortunately, she emailed the most unreliable half of this podcast. <laughs> so that's why you don't know about it. But I'll I'll forward that information to you. No, she uh, I got her. Um, OK, so we had a contest costume contest um, that Catherine won. She got a twenty five dollar gift card and um, she gets to pick out Brie Ann's next Patreon episode. Did you forget my name? I did. You know. I'm sick of your shit. Danica was talking trash on horrible ghouls <laughs> today. Now I'm in my head. I don't I don't know how to say anybody's name. And Bethany won our scavenger hunt and she also won a $25 gift card and she picks out my Patreon episode. Full of names I can't pronounce. I think it's gonna be interesting to have episodes we didn't pick and just have to like, you know, Tim Gunn make it work. Oh, I'm really excited that I don't have to use my brain to <laughs> narrow a bunch of stuff down um from now but then you're gonna have to use it to research some out of left field topic uh so we do have some new patreons we got them all paired up except for one person i'm pissed off at so <laughs> go on <laughs> our first patreon i'll just call her out she's talking shit so she doesn't get a friend on this patreon show wow. <laughs> this is kind of a two-parter so emma keating hi Thank you for supporting us. You are on the wrong side of history with this Captain Ash poll, by the way. Is this the one who sent us an email in the middle of the Halloween party? Mm, who was that? I don't know. Somebody sent us an email and, and it was, I mean, the, I think it, the gist of it was just Captain Nash is good. Yeah, it was a different person. Um, but okay. she really, she really, Emma, went really in for it on the poll okay well you don't need to be assigned a friend because i'm your friend um i was supposed to get 20 percent, at least 20 percent of the votes to not drink space soda yeah i don't i'm concerned about our listeners i don't i'm concerned about the audience that we've apparently attracted well it's because you you didn't win but i mean you got a way uh, higher number of votes uh, so 20 people agree with me yeah, which is weird because like this is the, and I'm not even saying you only it's got weird. 18 votes. Yeah. Oh shit. I'm not even saying like it's weird that so many people agree with you because you know that's a trash opinion. I <laughs> I do think that these people don't even listen to the pod the show. I think that they just pick their favorite podcast host and went with it, which is fine. That's fine. All right, Emma Keating, Brianne's your friend. Brianne can be <laughs> yes. your friend. Yep. We're not going to get into this again. <laughs> We'll have to figure out how to come together later, I you guess. Will, no, no. You will be my friend um, in lieu of Melanie, actually. All right. Mm -hmm. Can't say your so name maybe anyway. you'll be so. my co-host, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so next we have Sherry Todd and Samantha Apollo. Thank you for supporting us. Samantha Apollo is my friend. Oh. And not like my um, assigned friend, my actual friend. You're just going to take Technically, them all? Technically, she's the audio guy's friend, but no. No, 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 no. They would probably both say she's his friend, but I would say bullshit. She's mine. 
And then we have Jenna Haynes and Laura Watson. You two are buddies now. Nice. So welcome to your friendship. Hit each other up. Be pen pals. Yeah. Make Ask them. Do you have a fire extinguisher? Are you safe? <laughs> are you safe in your home? You are. Are your, are your pets okay? What do you think about Captain Nash? No, that's done. I... How many ribs do you have? How many ribs do you have? Okay, I want to go back to that real quick. Were you not thinking about blowjobs when you were writing that? Yeah. Because I feel like you're always the dirty one, and I'm always the, oh shit, I didn't even think about it like that one. And now you, you act all innocent, like you didn't even think about that. Who talks about removing ribs and doesn't think about that? I dropped the ball on that one. You weren't even thinking I about it? I wasn't thinking about it. I'm actually wow. quite shocked. Well, I feel really slut-shamed. Well, I'm not shaming you. Okay. I mean, not at all. <laughs> okay. Doesn't mean I don't feel that way. <laughs> I don't want to be the pervert on this show. Okay. It's just I'm this not, one time. Damn it. You, just one time. Okay. And it's one time that I just could not seem to let it go. <laughs> It's time to go to bed. All right. You know, dream about some ribs. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> you pervert. <gasps> Thank you for taking up the dirty mantle again. That's your place. Mm-hmm. Sweet ribs or no ribs. Oh, my. <laughs> Good night. Good night. <laughs> hey, Horrible Ghouls. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you would like to share your personal MarkSafe moment, you can send it to us at MarkSafePodcast at gmail.com. Please give our podcast a rate, review, and subscribe, and tell your buddies about us too. That goes a long way. If you want to further elevate your support, check out our MarkSafe Patreon page, where we have shoutouts, goodies, and some bonus content in the works. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks again, and as always, stay safe.